House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm your host today, Al Warren. My co-host on this show is Kev Thompson. How are you doing? Good day, everybody. Yeah, it's another day. And um, no smoke. <laughs> no smoke for a change. Uh, lots of fire, but never any smoke. So um, another good day. Um, got my new Nikes on. No. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I love bugging you. Anyway. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, yeah, t- today we have um, another great, he's a good writer. He's written plenty of books, and we're going to talk about um, his psychic detective book. And... Um, and about how he got into it and, and what he does. Um, so, Dan Baldwin, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for calling. I appreciate it. So, so Dan, how did you get into yeah. um, doing, um, you know, the psychic uh, detective book? Like, what, what, where did that come from for you? In terms of uh, psychic detecting or writing the book? Uh, kind, of, kind of both, like, because uh, one kind of, okay. it represents who you are, so... Um, okay. Where did where did it start for you? It started uh, about eighteen years ago, and I'm uh, I'm what they call a uh, pendulum dowser. That's my technique. Uh, you know the old guy who was out in the woods with the the forking stick looking for the the water. You know and the okay. stick will turn down. That's what the that's what I do. Except I use a rock on a string, a pendulum, mm-hmm. and you know that's that's how that's how I work. But about uh, eighteen years ago. I, I'm not a clear audience. I don't hear voices, but I swear I was out walking by myself and I heard a voice that said, you know, find missing children. And uh, I looked around. There was nobody there, no cars driving by, no windows open with the television set going. And uh, it was just a strange, overpowering feeling. So I kind of hung around for oh, about three months, and I finally said, well, I'm, obviously I'm supposed to be doing something. And so I, I realized, you know, I'm not a detective. I'm not a trained uh, police officer. I have no investigative experience. And it just hit me. Probably the only thing that would work would be uh, the psychic stuff. And I had no experience in psychic development whatsoever. And so I nosed around some bookstores and met some people and eventually stumbled across the, the, the pendulum and discovered that's the technique that I could use. And I started working cases. And you know, finding missing people and solving the the occasional crime. And I've been doing that for about 18 years. And uh, make a little transition here. About uh, three or four years ago, I started getting really interested in ex- getting some experience into uh, psychic detecting. And like I said, I got about 18 years of it. I started moving into more paranormal, like uh, paranormal investigation. I got involved in uh, cold cases like the John Ringo murder case. Or the Judge Count, Judge Fountain case over in New Mexico. These are hundred-year-old crimes, and that kind of moved me into more deeply into paranormal investigation. And that's kind of where my interest is going right now. And as I do that, it occurred to me that you know, I've got all this experience, you know, almost eighteen years of psychic detecting. I've got a lot of know-how, and I've got a lot of friends in the business. So it would be a, a good thing for me to do to write all that down so that if someone is interested in becoming a psychic detective or improving their psychic detective abilities or working with other psychic detectives or working with the authorities, I can leave them something of a, a basic how-to book on how to do that. You know, the 
to-dos and the not-to-dos, so to speak. And that's where the book came from. It's uh, something of a, I'm not completely getting out of the psychic detecting business, but it's, it's kind of a legacy from, of my experience in that area. And and so now you're specific. Now you do the um, the pendulum, um, right? And so so how did that come? How did you become aware of how to use it and how it would work for you? Like what what made you think of that? Pretty much luck of the draw. I was trying different things. I you know through the tarot cards and uh, I was looking into uh, gazing at crystal balls. And one day I was at one of my uh, neighborhood uh, psychic bookstores, and I saw a woman there with uh, the pendulum dowsing, and it just struck me that, hey, I could do that. And so, uh, yeah, I bought a pendulum, bought a couple of books, and I'm basically a self-taught pendulum dowser. Hmm. And I, I like it because with the pendulum, there's no interpretation. You know, like if you look at the tarot cards or if you're looking at crystal balls, uh, a crystal ball, you've got to interpret the images with a... Uh, with the pendulum dowsing, you know, it's either yes or either no, one or the other. So maybe maybe describe uh, how does that work and how does it get so so if you're holding um, the pendulum and it's moving, obviously you yourself have some sort of influence over it. So how do you detect what's coming from beyond and what what comes from you? Yeah, that is the hardest part of dowsing is keeping an open mind. To me, that is the, the toughest challenge. Uh, you know, if you're looking for the cute little five-year-old missing girl, you want to, you want her to be alive. And if you focus your thoughts on that, you're going to get yes answers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that if you keep your mind totally clear, totally objective, you can get the answers, which may not be the answers that you want to get. So, but, but some yeah. of the theory behind dowsing, though, is that you already have the answer, and it's coming out subconsciously. Like, like you already re- are receiving the answer within yourself, and the pendulum is simply the medium that, that you yeah, can exactly. read. Yeah, exactly. There is absolutely no magic in the pendulum. It's just a rock on the string. You know, you know, anybody who thinks there's something magical about the tool thinks there's something magical about a hammer. Uh, basically, you know, your conscious mind looks at the pendulum. That, that kind of, uh, occupies your conscious mind, which frees up your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is then able to contact the higher power. Uh, you guys can define the higher power however you want to define it. But that's where the answers come. And it goes to your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind then directs, uh, the muscles in your finger to swing left or to swing right. So that leads me to my next question, Dan. Um, when, for lack of better terms, when God or your higher power spoke to you and said that you were indeed supposed to find missing children or or people in the beyond, how did the how was the pendulum your choice versus tarot cards or other types of reading? Well, yet I was trying different things. I did try tarot cards, which which worked, which I liked. Uh, I did some remote viewing, which also worked. And I did uh, some experimentation with the crystal ball gazing, you know, scrying. And that works. But one day I encountered somebody uh, at, a, at a psychic bookstore doing the pendulum. And I was just immediately drawn to that. I, I like the fact that the answers are yes or no. There's no interpretation involved. You could be, you know, dead right or dead wrong, but there's no interpretation. It's it's one or the other. Now, can can you um, make your own um, 
string and rock type thing, as you were saying? Oh, yeah. Or do you have to buy it or get it blessed? Dwight and Rhonda Hull, and we are co-authors of a book on our psychic adventures, and we were out at a ghost town, and for some reason I just forgot my pendulum that day. We stepped out. This was at uh, Cortland Gun in Arizona. And I stepped out and said, I don't have my pendulum. So I looked down and uh, went back into my truck, cut off a shoelace and a spare pair, uh, spare of shoes I had back there, picked up a little rock off the ground, tied it onto the, the shoestring, and that was my pendulum. Mm -hmm. Wow. Nothing, nothing wrong well, like with that. Well, <laughs> no, you know, it, and it worked perfectly. I still have it uh, you know, in my pendulum collection. It works just fine. No. But again, yeah, I keep I keep pointing out there's no magic in the pendulum. It's just a rock on a string. So it's just kind of giving you direction, um, answers, and, right? And and so <clears throat> now, can anybody do this, or is this something specific to you? No, anybody can do it. I think uh, my personal opinion, but everybody is psychic to some level, and everybody is better at some things than they are at others. And uh, some people, if they try it, they will be uh, attracted to the pendulum. Some people will, you know, be attracted to uh, oh, tarot cards or, or what have you. But you know, everybody has the ability and everybody has a skill or multiple skills that they can develop. Uh, just for example, in my, in my book, uh, I've got my workbook to the practical pendulum complete in there. If somebody wants to start practicing with the pendulum, they can, they can actually pick up the book and, uh, you know, there's a how-to guide within the book. And if uh, the pendulum doesn't work out for them, still the, the setup and the procedure outlined in the book will help them with whatever uh, medium they decide to, to go with. But it's something everybody has. Yeah. Now, um, you, you say that um, <clears throat> you're working with um, <clears throat> sorry, police and uh, different groups. Um, mm -hmm. How do they react to you with what you do? Like... Um, do you know what I mean? Like, because I, I mean, I respect cops, but a lot of them are very, um, yeah. you know, fundamental, and they're yeah. not—they're not going to be looking at, oh, here's this guy with a rock, you know. So yeah, how like if, it, the, if yeah, yeah, if the evidence isn't right in front of me, it doesn't exist. Right, yeah, and there's some natural skepticism. The, the one, my overall impression in, in dealing with cops, and that's on the you know local, state, and federal level, is they're pretty open as a rule to the information. Uh, I present it to them like, you know, you would take a, uh, you take an anonymous call and act on it, wouldn't you? And they go, yeah, well, give me the same respect. And so they're pretty open to it. Uh, yeah, a lot depends on, uh, the location. If you're out in the field, they're very open to it. If you're in front of the, the rotary club, they may not be so, so open to it publicly. But, uh, the way I address it is, uh, I just say, look, you guys believe in cop instinct. And to a man or to a woman, they will say, yeah, for sure. I said, well, that's your psychic ability. And even if they don't believe it, they understand that. They understand the, the correlation between uh, top instinct and psychic ability. So at least you've got a uh, you know, framework where you can uh, continue the discussion. And, and, and so what, how, what do you deal with with the police themselves? Are you mainly dealing with missing people? Primarily. And part of the problem, and one of the reasons I wrote the book, uh, psychics get called into a case generally as a last resort. It's one of those things that, yeah, we've tried everything. Uh, we may as well give the, the, the psychics a shot. So by the time psychics are brought into the case, it's, a, it's already a cold case. 
And I would like uh, the police authorities, again, local, state, federal, whatever, to consider uh, vetted psychics, you know, people with a proven track record, but consider vetted psychics as first responders. You know, get the psychics involved uh, right off the bat. It's, it's information, and it's just as valuable and just as good as an anonymous source. Hmm. And um, so, so what has your level of success been so far? Uh, I would have to, I haven't, you know, done a, I haven't done a, a, a count, actual count, but I, I would say pretty good. There, there are on days and off days. There are good days and there are bad days. There are days when I am just, I mean, cooking right on the money. And I'll be the first to admit there are days when I am thousands of miles off. It, it just depends. What 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 do you yeah. think causes you to be off? Is it is it do the do the things in your everyday life sort of affect how you perform? Oh yeah yeah yeah. A, a psychic with a bad head cold is not going to be as good as a psychic that's uh, healthy. It's the same with with you when you when you go into the studio. Uh, say you had a road rage in- incident. You know, come into the studio and you're you're full of anger. You you're not going to be as sharp as you are. Uh, you know, on a normal day, if for some reason you've got a bad case of the flu and the doctors prescribe some medications and you're a little bit woozy, you're not going to be as sharp as you normally are. It's the same way with psychics. Uh, we have good days, we have bad days. Uh, anger will affect us. Uh, medication will affect us. Just having a bad day will, will affect us. Uh, again, if, if you've got a bad cold, that's going to affect you. Geez, you got me, you know, uh, chest cold and road rage every day. <laughs> today, <laughs> exactly. Today, yeah. I've got it all. Boy, you're you're doing yeah. really good today. Well, yeah, you know, you walk in the studio and you bite your tongue. You know, all of a sudden, uh, it, it's not going to be a good opening opening to the show. Yeah. Same way with same way with me. Yeah, and so so now, what what are some of the like most memorable cases i guess that's the best way to put it what what sticks out that you still remember um about helping in some sort of miss, missing person um case that whether it turned out good or bad but it stayed with you yeah well there was one um had a it, and it was a sad sad ending but we got a call uh, from uh, a family up in North Carolina, a gentleman come down here from North Carolina. Uh, he was in construction and uh, was looking for a job in the, the Phoenix area where I live. And the poor guy just could not latch onto a job. He just, you know, what if for whatever reason he just couldn't hang on to a job, couldn't get a job. And he was getting more and more depressed. And one day, uh, his girlfriend up in North Carolina and several of his friends up in North Carolina started getting phone calls from the guy. And uh, they all said that, they didn't realize it at the time, but the, you know he was walking very heavily and he was breathing hard, and he was uh, saying you know uh, basically goodbye. They finally realized he was he was signing off, saying goodbye, and sure enough, the, he went missing. And uh, several of them came down here to try to initiate his search, and uh, we got involved a couple of weeks after he went missing, and uh, we started. You know the psychics had uh, did our thing, and we had. Uh, of course, you know, you got a, a group of psychics, you're going to have hits all over the place, but there was a cluster of, of psychic hits in a specific area uh, south of Flagstaff. And so uh, we figured that's probably where the guy is because that's where so many of us are focusing and, you know, getting our information. So we went up with the, with the uh, Sheriff's Department. We also went up with a uh, search and rescue group, and I was with him at this time. And... Uh, 
we searched and searched and searched. And uh, one of the joys of uh, being involved in uh, search and rescue is we, we discovered we were looking for the missing guy in a rattlesnake preserve. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, hey, fellas, did you see this sign here? You know, step lightly. <laughs> so we're walking in. The, you know, we're walking through this rugged countryside in tall grass, looking for a missing person, and you're keeping our eyes to the ground. But we searched all day long, and the dogs that were with us were alerting at one specific spot. And uh, you know, we were looking around the ground. We couldn't see anything, but the dogs were like going crazy. Uh, you know, when they they find something, that is called alerting. But we, you know, didn't see anything, so we watched on by. And towards the end of the day, we decided, well, let's go back to that one spot where the dogs alerted, and let's look around again. So we went back. The dogs started going crazy again. And finally, one of the group just stood still and looked up. And there in the tree was the man we were looking for. He had tied himself to a tree, uh, killed a bottle of whiskey, smoked a couple of packs of cigarettes, and had blown his head off. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, that's tragic enough, but... Uh, when the girlfriend and the, the friends went back to his apartment, uh, there was a, a phone message that he had gotten a job. Mm. So it was yeah. for nothing. Yeah. All of it yeah, for nothing. It was all, yeah, all for nothing. But, you know, that's a, that's a kind of case where it was successful in the term that the, a group of the psychics hit exactly on the right spot. We were able to find the fellow. We were able to close to the friends and family. But it's still a sad outcome. Yeah, and that's yeah. The, that's the problem with bringing in psychics so late is because by the time we brought in, this probably already had the sad outcome. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I guess there's a, a bit of a wait. Uh, so, what's the exact process? What do they do? Do they just call you and uh, do you go there, or do you just do it from where you're located itself, or how how does that work? Yeah, it depends. There's no limits with uh, psychic detecting with your with your skill, whatever your skill may be. Like I've worked cases in uh, Italy, in France, in England, uh, in Japan, and throughout the United States and in, in bits of Mexico. Uh, the search and rescue stuff I referred to, I was able to go on just because they were in my immediate area. But there's no there's no uh, distance limit on psychic detecting. I can sit at my office and and work. You know, hundreds of thousands are several thousand miles away. It, it doesn't really matter. So, uh, now, if, if, if someone was interested in doing this and taking the, um, doing the pendulum route, mm-hmm. um, how would you w- recommend that they start? Like, what, what would be the process? So, here I am, I've, I've got some sort of ability, and, mm-hmm. and I feel this, and, and I'm interested in this. Um, what do I do? Okay, well, you've given me an opportunity to plug my book. It's uh, The Practical Pendulum, and you can get that uh, through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Anywhere you order your books, you can get that. Or you can get the Psychic Detective Guidebook, which has my uh, my workbook to the Pendulum Guide printed within it. But that's a good place to start. Okay. And, um, yeah, one thing I'd like to note, if the pendulum doesn't really click for you, you can still use the process to practice on uh, you know other mediums. But that's a good place. It, yeah, it's a good place to start. I wrote the book, uh, the, the Practical Guide, Pendulum, and this one, in as few words as possible to get as much information as possible out there. So what advice would you give the person that believes that, that they have the same calling that, that you did, but the responsibility is just too overwhelming? I mean, uh, 
let's face it, Danny, you're dealing with people when they are at their lowest point in life or, or they're, they're desperate, they're, they're horrified, they're traumatized. Somebody's missing or somebody's dead. You know, and, and that's a lot of responsibility. What advice would you give somebody that's af afraid to be wrong? Well, one thing, uh, you're going to be wrong. That's, that's going to happen. It is inevitable. You have to just, uh, you've got to be able to stick, stick it through because you've got to get through the wrong, wrong times because there are more times when you're going to be right and there are more times when you're going to be able to help people out. So you've got to, you just got to have a thick skin and you've got to have the, the willpower to, to persevere and, and just plug on through. Pretty, pretty amazing, um, um, a life. How does this affect you in your personal life? Um, like you know, does it does yeah. it come into your life, and uh, do you keep the emotions with you when you've been through a, a kind of a, a hard case or a devastating ending case, sad case, and uh, does it does that affect your whole life? Yeah, it, 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 that also is inevitable. But uh, if if you're lucky, if you work at it like me, I I you know worked on techniques to basically separate my. Uh, Myself from those emotions because they can become overwhelming. Uh, I know several several very talented psychics who have done this for a little while and they've had to just back out because the emotional trauma is just too overwhelming. It's too powerful. So, and that's something to consider if if you're thinking about becoming a, a psychic detective. There is an emotional whammy involved. There is a lot of power, and you've got to realize and think it through. Is this something I want to get involved with? Because it's going to hurt. There are going to be times when you're going to feel like, you know, weeping. That's yeah. inevitable. Yeah. Do you but ever make, can you stand up to that? Oh, yeah. Do you ever make connections with uh, killers or people that um, are out doing something, kidnapping people? Do you connect with the uh, actual um, perpetrator? Um, I do not with the pendulum. I, I am doing that now in my uh, paranormal research uh, short commercial for Speaking with Spirits of the Old Southwest. That's my, my paranormal book. But I've made contact with killers uh, th that are related in that book. But in terms of psychic detecting, uh, only on cold case files, like 100-year-old cold case files have I contacted, uh, made contact with, with spirits. That is possible. You can do that. Wow. So what but, was... But I, I, yeah, I've only done it. The, the paranormal research and not with the uh, psychic detecting research. Yeah, yeah. And how is that for you? Like, have, have you come across anything pretty, uh, pretty, pretty uh, scary? Or well, in the paranormal work, uh, I have never, and my my co-authors fighting uh, around the hope, we've never, in, never encountered a spooky situation. Never been scared. Never had somebody try to scare us. Uh, never had anybody try to frighten us. But we did, uh, down in Tombstone, we had a very interesting experience. We uh, encountered the spirit not only of a murderer, but the spirit of his victim, who was his brother. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was that was real interesting because it was an opportunity uh, for us to release a trapped spirit. Uh, if you got a minute, I can tell you that story. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Okay, well... Rhonda and I were doing a, uh, we, we did some fundraising for wounded warriors, and we were down in, in Tombstone and having an event, and we brought people in, and we would give them a weekend of basically uh, ghost hunting, although I don't like that term, but we would take them around to ghost towns and haunted places, 
and show them, you know, how to conduct, uh, you know, ghost hunting experiences, and they could they could have a good weekend. And all the funds were donated to wounded warriors. As we were down there, we ran into a film crew out of New York, just happened to be there, and they wanted to say, hey, can we follow you guys around, because this is kind of interesting. So we did that for the weekend, and uh, Sunday night was the last last event, and that was pretty much just a playtime. We were going to, all the people involved, there were about 35 people there, just uh, go to a location that was haunted, and they could do some ghost hunting, and they could play with the different tools and things like that. And Dwight and Ron and I were just going to go sit in the corner because we were exhausted. We were wiped out. And our guest at that time was Brian Keno of, uh, of the Haunted Collector. I said, Brian, this is your show. So he was taking people up, and it's a simulated bar, uh, old-fashioned saloon, and they had people uh, pouring uh, you know, empty bottles into empty shot glasses and pretending they were playing cards and they were pretending to be cowboys and flusies and, and that whole thing and having a good time. And one of the participants uh, was working a pendulum. It was her first day. She had attended my pendulum class and bought a pendulum, and she was doing her pendulum thing, and she said, I am getting something. And so they, they started moving towards her and concentrating. Sure enough, she was making some kind of contact, but she was having a lot of trouble. So Brian calls in Dwight. Dwight is a former you know, military uh, policeman. He knows how to investigate. So he starts asking questions. And sure enough, they're making contact with somebody. So Dwight says, hey, Dan, get over here. We need your help. So they, I came in, and I started working the pendulum. And sure enough, we had made contact with a, uh, was a Chinese guy from the 1880s who was uh, a murderer. He had killed his brother at that spot, the, the exact spot where we were located. And he was he was a trapped spirit. He could not go, you know he could not cross over because he was afraid of the terrible things that would happen for him in terms of retribution. And uh, he was in uh, yeah I, that's one one of the few cases where my my intu- intuitive abilities kicked in and I could feel the pain for the guy. So I called Rhonda over. Come here, we need your help. Well, she's really good with that sort of thing. Hmm. And so you have me, Dwight, and Rhonda working with this, trying to convince this guy that it's okay to cross over. When another spirit showed up. And the spirit was his brother, the man he had murdered. He had come back over to tell his brother, I forgive you. Come on over. All is forgiven. So we had uh, we had me, Dwight, and Rhonda, and the murder victim trying to convince the murderer to go ahead and go into the light that all is forgiven. And uh, at one moment, uh, you know, we were working hard. I said, they're gone. Just like that, it popped. And instantly, uh, me, Dwight, Rhonda started weeping. Uh, there was like a wave of emotion that went through 35 people in the audience. They were crying. There was not a dry eye in the house. Instantaneously, people were weeping. The emotional content was so, so strong, so powerful. And, uh, you know, this is all documented. But that's, that's probably the most emotional thing that's ever happened to me in my life. It was incredible. Since you've been doing this now for a while, um, do you pick up feelings from other people that you just meet on the street or uh, in casual um, encounters? You know, you just come across someone and pick up vibrations from them or certain feelings. Yeah, everybody does that. I mean, you know, we want to walk into uh, to a party or some group situation, and you taking an instant liking or an instant dislike to somebody else. Yeah, well, there's a reason for that. That's your psychic ability kicking in. Uh, again, I'm not an intuitive uh, 
Right. I, I describe my, yeah, I describe myself as a psychic on training wheels. I, I'm new to this business. I've only been doing it about 18 years. Yeah. Yeah. Most of my friends, you know, most of my friends have been doing it all, all their lives. So I, I'm still in. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the second grade here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know a couple yeah. more years you could retire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm a student. I'm still learning. I'm trying to pass along what I'm learning as I go. How is it you learn? Like, what is it that you do for yourself? Um, like, how do you uh, um, get better at what you do? Uh, what works for me best is just experience, just getting out there every day and, and doing something. And and when you how do you how do you know that you're right? Like, is is there something that that tells you when you're right or tells you when you're wrong? Like, um, is there a certain feeling that comes across you? Well, um, yeah, in terms of psychic detecting, you uh, you sometimes have a feeling for a case. Again, the, the pendulum is very uh, very independent of, of emotion. That's what I like about it. But you get uh, you rarely get validation in psychic detecting for a number of reasons. But every once in a while, you know, you'll read in the newspaper that the, the case was solved, and you realize, hey, that's based on some of the clues that uh, that I provided, or that my 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 friends and I provided. But with with a pendulum, you say that you like it because it's just yes or no, black or white. Right. But man, you have got to ask a lot of questions to get any context with just yes or no. So, do you ever work? with a medium who can get more contextual messages. Yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, uh, when Dwight and Ron and I start working, we, we discovered, uh, and this would apply to psychic detecting as well as it does uh, in our experience in paranormal work, but there is uh, some kind of multiplied power when the three of us get together. They're, they're both very talented intuitives, and I'm a very... Uh, uh, excuse the term, tight ass redneck with a with a rock on a string, and the three of us kind of balance each other out, and we can keep conversations with the spirits going instead of just grabbing one you know, EVP. We can actually have an extended conversation with the spirit. Wow. So, so you would say that, that that you work better in a team than independently. Would that be fair to say? That would depend on the case, but in many cases, that is absolutely correct. Absolutely. If I'm working on a missing person case, I work better by myself. If I'm doing paranormal investigation, uh, the three of us working together is sig significantly stronger than uh, by myself. Now, I've heard a lot of people say that whenever they're looking for missing people with a pendulum, rather than asking questions, sometimes they're handed a map and say, you know, find the body or find a location with your pendulum. Is that feasible or is that doable? Well, yeah, yeah definitely. And I, I, employ, I employ both techniques. For example, uh, if you've got another couple of minutes, I can tell you a story. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got a case of a missing kid in, uh, in Colorado. And it's one of those cases where it's a small town and everybody knows who committed the murder, but there is no evidence. There's no proof. And in this case, there was no body. But it was a missing, I believe, 10 or 12-year-old boy. So I'm sitting here. Uh, you know, in, in Mesa, Arizona, trying to work a case way over in uh, north of Durango, Colorado. But, uh, you know, I start with questions. You know, is the kid in Colorado? Got a yes. Is he in uh, 
within 100 miles, say, of Durango, got a yes. Is he north of uh, XYZ Road, get a yes. Is he south of XYZ Highway, get a yes. Right. I narrowed down the, the, the search. At that point, I can bring out a, you know, a street atlas or a topo map is even better. And so I can get down to specific features. I can look at the, the map and I can, uh, you know, ask the pendulum. And when I say ask the pendulum, I'm using the pendulum. You're asking the higher power. But, you know, is this person on, uh, on or near this, uh, forest road? Yes or no? Is he north of this bridge? Yes or no? Is he south of this particular rock structure? Yes or no? And in, in that situation, I'm kind of narrowing down the map to a small, small, small area. And I got two locations on a specific side of a specific mountain. And I, you know, sent in, uh, I got on, uh, at that point I got on Google Earth and narrowed my focus down even further so that I got GPS coordinates on those two spots. So, uh, instead of sending in a report that said the missing kid is on a mountain where there are trees and there's a house in the, in the distance and there are clouds and there are mountains in the distance and there's a river somewhere nearby, which describes, you know, just about every place in the Southwest. I just, I got, you know, seriously, you know, that's one of the problems with, with psychic work. You know, you can give an accurate description of a location, and it can be absolutely no good to the authorities. Right. I know. I, yeah. I grew up in Arizona. He's in the desert. Well, good Lord. That's most of the yeah. state. Yeah, there, there's a cactus nearby and some rocks, and there's a lot of sand. Yeah, you know, and, and look for some coyote tracks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I use you know GPS coordinates and use use Google Earth on that. It's real simple. You just go in Google Earth, and I put a pencil on the on my computer screen and move it around. Here, yes, here, no, here, you know that sort of thing. And I got two GPS coordinates, so the police could go right. You know, instead of searching the whole mountain, they could go right to those spots. Now, they can find out at that point either I'm right on target or if I'm wrong, they know right away. You know, they don't have to waste their time. In this case, I was told that the, the first location was where the police ultimately decided that the murder had occurred. And at the second point, uh, I think within like 300 feet of my GPS coordinate, they found uh, leg bones and finger bones and some other bones that were DNA tested and proven to be those of the kid. Mm. So... In that situation, I've employed the yes and no technique, and then I've employed map dowsing. Now, whenever you find a missing person, or let's say a deceased person, um, who makes the notification? Do you leave that to the police, or do they bring you along to validate it? Or how does that work when the case is solved? You've been proven to be correct. Yeah, what I, well, one, psychic, psychic information is not admissible in court. Yeah, you, Correct. Can, you can see, <laughs> you can see the attorney. Well, we know the man is guilty because our friend here talked to the spirit of the dead person last night. Case dismissed, Sam, <laughs> you know. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Unless you can put that spirit on the stand. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. I think you've given me the next short story. Thank you. <laughs> he co-writes. But yeah. Seriously, what, what the psychic detective can do, like our information isn't admissible. You know, for example, say I've located uh, the murder weapon. Uh, that's useless in court, but I can give that information to the police. You know, like, uh, you know, the hatchet or the pistol or the knife is in the man's closet up on the shelf. They can legally and with, with you know, proper jurisdiction and all that, they can get a search warrant and go to the spot that I've identified, and that evidence then becomes admissible in court. 
that's where we can really, really shine because we can point them to, to hard evidence that they can legally obtain. Wow. Uh, now, uh, when you when you um, say it's a stone and uh, on a string like your pendulum, uh, do you believe in any of particular type of stone or rocks or any any any? Does anything work better than than others? Not really. Can I tag something on to your last question real quick? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, uh, about reporting. Yeah, uh, in the Psychic Detective Guidebook, I've got a, a reporting form that I use that would be very helpful if, if anybody out there listening wants to, to file a report with the police. I've got a form that you can adapt to your own use that's very straightforward and very professional. And it's much better than walking into the police department saying, hey, I've solved your case. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, when you do that, do, do do they ever look at you and kind of go, how do you know? Like, um, and sort of put you to the test of maybe being part of the crime? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you're a suspect. How, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How come you know so much about the murder, Mr. Baldwin? Yeah. Have a seat here. Well, the captain wants to talk to you. Yeah. Not really. Uh, not really. Uh, I have found that in, uh, I would say, Oh, 99% of the cases, the, the police have always respected me because uh, I walk in and, and I present a very professional uh, attitude and approach. Uh, I'm not a missionary for psychic detecting. I'm done say here. I walk in and say, I've got some information. I would like to present it. I'm a psychic. This is how I came about. I've got a written report. And uh, they have been extremely receptive. Now, they may or may not believe what I'm saying, but I've never had anybody kick me out. I've never had any any sneers or never had any uh, unpleasant statements. Yeah. My experience have always been, uh, you know, thank you for coming in. We appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, one time, luckily one time, uh, I was working a case back here, and uh, I knew someone who was work, actually working the case, and the, the cops working the case said, be sure to tell Dan that he, he connected a couple of major dots for us. I really appreciated it. I have no idea what the dots I connected were, but I appreciated that feedback. Uh, do they not want to get into detail with you for a particular reason? Um, how do you mean? Well, like, like for instance, when that when that um, cop said, "Well, tell Dan that he connected a few dots for us," and that's great. I mean, that's nice, and you feel good and all that. Yeah. Uh, but, but is there no reason that he will actually call you and say, listen, this is what you did that was right, and this helped me, and this, and get into detail and tell you about what it was that worked for him, that you you gave him? Yeah, that has never happened to me at all. Uh, oh. This, you know, tell Dan he connected the dots is uh, one of the very, very, very few instances where that happened. I think, you know, I think that's a wise policy on the, on the, uh, the, 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 the way the, the cops approach it, because... Uh, if the other side uh, in the case found out that you're working closely with a psychic, that could be brought into to, to the the court system. Yeah, yeah and it, it, you know, it might be it, you know it might be it might it might negatively impact the thing. Right, right. But I think they just you know I think basically it's not that they disbelieve or that they they're they're bad people or anything like that. I think they just rather would not go through that door. You know, just take the information and do as be- do the best they can with it and run with it. Yeah, well, that makes sense, I guess, because they're dealing with the the courts and the law and yeah, a little, little bit uh, tighter, restricted, and you know, um, yeah. I, I, and again, psychic psychic information is not admissible, so they yeah. got to have to be real careful. 
Well, how far out do you think it is before it is? And having said that, there's got to be some type of a way to vet your psychics. Yeah, I think that's critical from the police standpoint. You know, again, whether it's state, local, or federal, I think it's critical that they vet the psychics because there are, there are a lot of flakes out there. I have run into lots of flakes. Uh, and the only, only real way to vet them is to give them a shot, keep your records, and work with the ones who uh, consistently come up with good information and the ones who aren't uh, publicity hounds. Yeah. Well, you, is that kind of what you mean by flakes? There's just people out there that are looking for attention? Yeah, looking for attention. They're trying to make a fast buck. You know, there's probably more of them than there are of us. Uh, yeah, it's too bad. It just seems to be. Yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah we're, as I said, we're, we're tired with the, with, the, with the same brush because, uh, you know, they see all the, the flakes out there, and, you know, we walk up and they think, well, automatically they think, well, here are a couple more couple more flakes. That's why I say, you know, vet the psychics, give them a shot, and if they consistently come up with good information and if they behave in a professional manner, uh, you know, stay with those guys. And if they act flaky, if they start calling news conferences and things like that, have nothing to do with them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's critical to be professional. Yeah. Do you have any influences in the psychic world? Is there any psychics out there that sort of um, you look to and they kind of inspire you? Oh, well, I've got several psychic friends that uh, that inspire me every day. In fact, I've included some of the best, you know, in the, the Psychic Detective Guidebook. One of the things I wanted to do was give other perspectives uh, in the book. So uh, in addition to my how-to and the case studies that are in the book, I've got interviews with some of the best psychics uh, around. Hmm. If you, well, if you don't mind, I'll mention, I, I can mention them by name. If you, yeah, if you don't no, mind. go ahead. I was, I was yeah, of, no. yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. In other words, I sent out a series of interviews and said, fill this stuff out. And I did not uh, edit the interviews whatsoever. I wanted their unfiltered information. But I, uh, <clears throat> some of the top psychics that I worked with include Dwayne Brock, and Tammy Carpenter, uh, Jeanette Healy, Rhonda Hull, Patricia Mona, Glenda E. Newton, Christopher Robinson, and Renata Musso. And those people are working uh, in the United States, in Canada, in uh, France, and in England. So you've got international uh, psychic detectives commenting in the book, and you get their perspective in addition to my own. I wanted, you know, real world, world psychic practicing psychic detectives to give their their information. And these are good folks. I've worked with every, each one of them. They're very, very talented. Awesome. So now, I noticed that you've also. Um, Ghost written um, several books, like fifty books or something. Wow! Yeah. Um, so, what, what kind of subjects do you write about? Well, the, the ghost writing is primarily management, uh, sales, motivation, that sort of thing. And those are books with somebody else's name on the cover. Uh, books of my name on the cover uh, are the well, the paranormal books. I've got I don't know four or five of those out now. I also write a lot of westerns. I've got uh, some mysteries couple of nonfiction books, and several short story collections. So I'm kind of all over the, over the place out there. Oh, sounds like it. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, I'm going to send I looked on your website. You guys are into conspiracy. I'm going to send you one of my uh, novels you might get a kick out of. Oh, yeah, for sure. We always talk about yeah. anything. What I was going <laughs> to say, what kind of, um, when, on your nonfiction, is that, is that from 
um, experience in something you've done psychically, or is that just uh, an interesting case that you've come across? Well, I came across an interesting case down in Tucson. I wrote a book called The Levine Project, and that's a, about uh, a groundbreaking case for Homeland Security. A uh, nice young, uh, nice retired couple invited a uh, contractor into their, their home to do some work, and the situation got so bad that he set off chlorine bombs around their houses, around their house, tried to tried to kill them. Oh. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a groundbreaking case because it was the first domestic terrorism case uh, handled by the uh, handled by the court system. And so I wrote a book about that. It's called Bill of Vine Project. That's nonfiction. And then the the, uh, the paranormal work. Uh, uh, that's mostly the nonfiction that I write these days. That's that's where my heart is. That's yeah. my novels. Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering if you ever wrote about, uh, you know, one of the cases or, or something or someone you found or helped the police do something or and, and and maybe got into writing about that. Not about one of the cases. I may do that someday, but right now I just I don't feel a, a call to do that. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a lot of work too. It's uh, to but you know, when, I, it's work, but I enjoy it. It's work that I enjoy. Just uh, as far as the uh, the cases, I just haven't been called to write anything about that yet. Now, are the police the only people that contact you when they're looking for missing people, or sometimes is it the family? Oh, good question. Yeah, primarily, uh, I do not work directly with families at all. Uh, and it's just it's, it's not worth it, the hassle involved because uh, you need to work directly with the, with the, the police authority, and that could be you know the local cops or the local sheriff. It could be the FBI or it could be the Forest Service. But I prefer to work directly with with the service. Is there a particular and if a, reason? Is there a reason for that? Yeah, or? yeah. One, the primarily you don't wanna, you don't wanna interfere with the real investigation. You know, you could you could actually <clears throat> you could actually mess up a, a legitimate investigation if you're not working with the police. Yeah. So, you know, I would if a family called me, I would refer them to the local authorities, and then if the local authorities wanted to get in contact with me, they they could, and I would work with them rather than working with the family. Yeah. You know, and, and that's and yeah. that's good advice. I mean, that that's that lends a lot of validation to you. That, that you're not in it for the money, you're not in it for the fame, you're actually in it to help people because you're, rather than taking all the credit for yourself, you're actually, you know, giving them an avenue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, uh, I would prefer not to uh, not to take credit for the cases, you know, except uh, maybe in a book or something that I've written about maybe, but as far as uh, getting on the news or something like that, I'm, I'm really not that interested in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I want to I help the authorities get the case solved and find the missing person or bring the bad guy to jail. That's that's my focus on the psychic detecting. Uh, yeah, plus I, I don't go after reward money or publicity. Yeah, what's your thoughts on the um, psychics on TV? Uh, well, they're doing their thing, and that's okay. It's it's not the way I, I do it. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not I'm not on TV. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would. Uh, what, yeah, what, yeah. Let me just say, yeah. Again, I'm not knocking what's on television, but there's a lot of negativity on television. And all this, uh, it, there's a lot of demonic and a lot of scary and a lot of spooky stuff, and that's that's okay because that's that's for that's what the viewers want to see. Uh, what I do would make pretty dull television. Let me put it that way. 
How long does it take you on a case? Like when you're find missing someone, uh, someone's missing. How long does that sort of uh, take? What's it, it's the process long? Well, I, I have found missing persons in uh, half a day, and there's one case I've been working on 18 years. Oh wow! It, 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 it depends. What, what keeps you going on an 18 year old case? Uh, a case like that is is one that slips through and gets into your heart and won't let and, and you know, won't let you go. Every once in a while, that happens. Yeah, you get you know you get emotionally uh, hooked on the case and you just you, you just can't let it go. But yeah, there's no there's no time frame uh, as far as uh, an average case. It just depends. Hmm. Well, that's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we worked on a case uh, missing guy up in well in Arizona up on a place we call area we call the Mogollon Rim heavily forested area, and we started working that morning and we you know we located him that afternoon. So, yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good day. Normally, yeah. it doesn't go that fast. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so what do you got coming up next? What are you working on now? Well, next is uh, again moving into the paranormal world. But my friends Dwight and Rhonda and I have finished a another book on pa- our paranormal uh, look into history. Uh, what we're doing is uh, I feel I thought is what better way to research the history of of the old west and to speak with the spirits of the people who live there so that's what we're doing now we've just finished our second book and uh, we're negotiating with publishers on that now so that's the next up wow so yes wow that's pretty interesting so you're going to try and communicate with some of the famous uh western people like billy the kid (laughs) but we don't go out we don't go out to uh, anybody particularly famous yeah we just go out to see who's there I just want to know if Both he was yeah. really shot or not. By <laughs> which one? Uh, Billy the Kid. Like who? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Haven't yeah. done that yet. Yeah. No. Most of the most of the people we encounter are, are just folks who are you know, people without without bodies. Is the way Dwight yeah. puts it. Yeah. We run into a couple of famous people. Mostly, you run into uh, housewives, shopkeepers, cowhands, ranchers. You know, shopkeepers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so now, uh, have you got a website now that people can go and look at, or are you just available in bookstores? No, uh, I'm avail- my books are available. Everything that I've written is available uh, wherever you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, some of them even through Walmart. Uh, if you want to check out the books, go to uh, com. That's F-O-U-R-K-N-I-G-H-T-P-R-E-S-S, one word, com. Yeah, that's got all my books. Excellent. We also have you on our website and your books, and um, we, uh, you know, um, appreciate you coming on the show. It's been very interesting. Yeah, I appreciate the call. This has been fun. I enjoy it. You guys are good. Oh, thank you very much. We really appreciate having you on. And uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Oh, good. I would love to. I enjoy spreading the word. Thank you. To find out more about our show, guests, or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.
I'll be back.